0: the Lord.
1: Well, tonight, my desire is that we could just come together from the very start and just set our focus, our hearts and our minds on the Lord
0: Jesus himself. He's the reason we've gathered. He's the object of our worship. And I pray that we could encounter the Lord and be changed, be different when we leave than the way we were when we came.
1: So let's just come together together tonight and offer this song as a prayer and ask God to prepare us.
0: Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy try Bless him
1: tonight. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. The message today, a true friend of God, a true friend of God, Almighty King, the greatest desire of my heart is to be a true friend of yours. To walk with you. To obey you. To be filled with your spirit. Lord, I pray as we talk about what it means to be a true friend of God, that you will come and move in our hearts and give us understanding and deepen Deepen our walk with you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. When I look back over the years of my life, Jesus has required of me great sacrifice. Standing by faith on his word and not wavering. It has cost me a great deal, both in relationships, in money, in time, but against eternity, it's nothing. Against the friendship of God, it's nothing. It was all worth it. It is now worth it. I think about that passage in Exodus 32, verse 26, where Moses has been on the mountain of God with God opening to Moses' understanding what it would mean to have God tabernacle among them. You remember, Moses would take a tent and pitch it outside of the camp because the presence of God would not come into the camp because of their sin. So now Moses is in the mountain of God, learning from the Lord God of heaven what needs to happen in order for God to come and tabernacle among the people and not destroy them. So now the whole camp is going to be organized around the tabernacle of God, which allows him to dwell among the people. Our only way of having God come and tabernacle in us now is to have Jesus' blood that opened a new way into the Holy of Holies. And to have that tabernacling of God, we are now welcomed by the blood of Jesus to enter through his torn body on the cross. I mean, the greatest desire of my heart is to tabernacle in a place where God's presence is. And Moses is learning what it means for God to come and tabernacle not outside the camp, but right in the middle of the camp and not destroy the people. And as he's there getting specific instructions regarding each piece of furniture, the altar of burnt offerings, the laver for the washing, the sanctification, entering into the holy compartment, on the left-hand side the candelabra for the for the presence of the Holy Spirit. On the right-hand side, the table of showbread, where we lay before the Almighty God as His food. And then just before the Holy of Holies, that incredible altar of burnt sacrifice in, in the way of incense, which is the means by which our prayers ascend into the presence of God. It's where we can tabernacle with God because we've been living sacrifices of the altar burnt offering. And then to enter through that body of Christ, the, the separating curtain between the holy and the most holy, the scriptures tell us is literally the flesh of Jesus Christ, and it's torn and we enter into that Holy of Holies, and there is the Shekinah glory of God, and we're not destroyed because of the blood sprinkled on that mercy seat. The law is not removed from the Holy of Holies. But in the new covenant, the law is now written on the hearts of those who have stepped into the current the stream of the Holy Spirit and out of the current or the stream of the world. And the Lord tells him, your people have become corrupt. The word corrupt in the Hebrew means like rotten fruit. Food that is so rotten it is not edible. And Moses takes the law of God and goes down to see. God does not say he owns these people, he says, These are the people you brought out of Egypt, Moses, you're responsible. Moses comes and he's heartbroken. He casts the Ten Commandments down. They're smashed. These were written by the very finger of God. And he calls out, who is on the Lord's side? Who is on the Lord's side? And that is the dividing factor in the church today. Who is on the Lord's side? Or who is a true friend of God? Who will take a stand no matter what to stand with Jesus Christ? Charles Finney talks about three classes of Christians. The first class are those who are true friends of Jesus. The second class Those who are moved by self-love and selfishness. Those who are being friends with God, friends with Jesus, because they want the blessing of Jesus. They want the benefits of the cross. There is a selfish motive at the very heart of their relationship with God. They will obey Him They will follow him, but it's quid pro quo. What am I getting out of it? And number three, those who are moved by the opinions of others and by social demands. This is Charles Finney. Those who are moved by the opinions of others and social demands. These last two classes are trying to make God their servant. The first class, the true friends of Jesus, they are not in it for what they can get. And they are unswayed by the opinions of others. They will stand though the heavens fall. But let me begin now and read for you a portion of Scripture out of 1 Peter, and then let's identify some very specific marks of a true friend of God. 1 Peter, the first chapter, I'll begin with verse 14. As obedient children, the word obedient in the Greek means under hearing. They have heard something from heaven. They have heard the preaching of the gospel. They have heard the scripture. And they have made a conscious decision to come under that teaching of scripture. No one ever became a Christian in a vacuum. Every one of us has had to hear the word of God and our hearts have responded to that word. Others have heard the word of God and they have not responded to the word of God. In other words, it's not the word of God that makes us a Christian. It's responding to that word of God that makes us a Christian as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust or passions in your ignorance. We need to stop just a moment there. I've said it several times today, and I've said it in the prayer circle. There is a current in the world And if we drift along with that world current, we may reach out and snatch a few things of interest from the Christian faith. But in the end, we will be swept away into destruction. And there must be a very conscious choice on our part to leave forever the current of the world's power that we are not swept along by it. We are not carried by it. There is another current. It is a cross current to the current of the world. And where those two currents cross, there is great turmoil. There is great trouble. And it's in that cross current where we make our final choice Will we flow with the current of the world or will we flow into the current of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to take us where He needs to take us in discipline, in teaching, in action? And I have determined in my heart that I will not be swayed by the current of this world, I am going to walk, I'm going to swim, I'm going to be carried by the current of Almighty God. It is a decision we make, a cold-blooded decision, where we no longer consider our advantages or our disadvantages. We no longer weigh what we want or do not want. We allow the current of the Holy Spirit to take us where He wants to take us, to do what He wants us to do. Now the amazing part of that is that I cannot tell you where you must be in that current. And you cannot tell me where I must be. There must be a mutual trust that we are in the will of God if we are not walking in disobedience or sin or rebellion against the Most High. This is why we do not walk under the law, but the law is written in our hearts And we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. This current, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves, not shaping yourselves according to the former passions in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy, in all manner of conversation. And that word conversation, translated from the Greek, is very deep. It means the conversation that arises out of specific actions on our part as we align with that current of the Holy Spirit as He carries us forward. Because, it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, in the prayer time today, our brother said to us, the holiness of God is so far beyond us that my holiness is is nowhere close to where God is. I want to propose to you that it's the holiness of God that creates the stream, the flowing, moving stream of the Holy Spirit. And that, that I become holy as I enter fully into that stream and am carried by the power. Have you ever been rafting or, or tubing or canoeing in a fast-moving river? No one would begin to imagine that I would say, look how hard I'm paddling my canoe. I'm making the river flow. No, are you kidding me? The river has the power. The water moving down the course has the power. But I have to enter into that stream. i That's where the holiness is for me that I don't battle against that current of the Holy Spirit, but I flow with it and in it. So no, I will not ever be holy like God is holy, but I can be carried along by His holiness. I can enter that stream and allow the cleansing of the blood of Jesus to wash me and make me whole. And I cannot fight and struggle to go upstream against the holy flow of God. Verse 17, And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. I want to add another word, in reverent fear, in awe. Terrified that we might be cast out of the stream of God's holiness, to be terrified that we might lose the friendship of God. Now let me try to say something very kindly to you. We are all in this place very strong people, or we would not be here. let's make certain that that strength that we have is the strength that flows out of the holiness of God and not out of our opinions. Because somehow as we are in the flow of the holiness of God, we can begin to appropriate to ourselves and think we own the holiness of God. I do not own the holiness of God. the holiness of God will always belong to God. And after I've been in heaven for a million years, the holiness of God will still belong to God and not to me. Will I be holy? Yes, because I'll be in the stream of His will. I'll be in the flowing presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will dwell in me. After a million years, I will need Jesus as much then, as I do now, there will never be a time when I will stand before God and say, I don't need Jesus. I will always need Jesus. He's everything. We are told there will be a wedding between us, the bride, and the father. There is a oneness spoken of in that, where we are together in Jesus, not separate from Him, but flowing in the stream of righteousness and holiness under the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what friendship with God means. This is so big. It's so far beyond my comprehension and my mind. But oh, I want to be in that stream of God's holiness. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear, in fear that you will be cast out of that stream of the Spirit, in fear that you will be caught in the tide of the world and pulled into the stream of the world's focus, so a true friend is one who sides with jesus against his own sin a true friend is one who will never find fault with god who will always side with god careful to avoid all sin a true friend Will never accuse Jesus, will never be angry with Jesus, but will immediately charge himself instead of Jesus. Number two, a true friend is one who wants with all of their heart to honor Jesus. That in all of their actions, in all of their behavior, they have one thing uppermost in their mind and in their heart, and that is to honor Jesus Christ. Like a patriot, we honor the military those who have died, defending the freedoms that we enjoy. They honor the flag. I saw a t-shirt. I can't quote it all to you. It would not be appropriate. But the message on it was, if you stomp on my flag, I'm going to stomp on you. That was the message. And he was wearing it boldly. Fortunately, he was a big husky guy. And nobody was going to take him on. In my heart, I have to be a patriot for Jesus Christ that his honor is more important than what I think or what I want or what I believe. He's everything. So as I am flowing in the stream of God's holiness, my heart honors Jesus above everything else, even above my own life, and my own success. Number three. We have to look at a passage of Scripture in Romans, the eighth chapter. You know well this passage, but it has been totally misinterpreted through the years. Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's agape God. Sacrifice themselves for God. To them who are called according to his purpose. So what is the purpose of God? The purpose of God is to destroy the devil's works. The purpose of God is to lay his life down as a sacrificial priestly atonement for you and me. So a friend of Jesus is going to experience compassion for all men. God has compassion for all men. But that compassion for all men does not win the heart of all men. We too must have a great compassion in our hearts for all men. And that means a forgetting of ourselves but there most certainly needs to be a great concern in our heart for sinners. A compassion and a concern that causes us to pour out ourselves for the salvation of others. Now, I don't think Paul poured out his heart in compassion for sinners while he was in the desert with Jesus. We are not told of any men coming to salvation while he's in the desert with Jesus. And all of us will experience a time of deep desert dwelling. But this is only for the purpose of equipping us that when we are finally brought forth among sinner men, there will be such a compassion in our hearts and such a love for them in our hearts that we will be poured out for them. The problem is when we refuse to go in the desert and we scorn the discipline and we try to go in our own flesh to save a man or a woman, It can only be done by the power of the Spirit of God. And it can only be brought about by the holiness of God. Where men are convicted of their sin by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I've lived long in the desert. And the cry of my heart is to be brought forth. The cry of my heart is that you be brought forth. But the power of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost power would be released once more for the salvation of the souls of our families and our friends. I'm sure if I spoke with each one of you in private, you would tell me of family members that your heart is breaking for. family members who are perhaps cold-hearted, lukewarm, or totally lost. And your words have had no impact in bringing them to Jesus. And some you can't even speak to. It would be inappropriate for you to even try to mention. This can only change by the power of the Holy Spirit flowing in His holiness. It is the holiness of God that saves the soul of a man or a woman. It was the holiness of God that brought Jesus Christ to be crucified on Calvary. Everything of salvation has flowed out of the holiness of God. And Jesus has begun this powerful stream in the earth and He is taking over the earth. He is going to bring everything The Father is going to bring everything under the dominion and power of Jesus Christ. He's doing that by His holiness. So we need to be praying that our hearts will be filled with a great compassion for men. That we would have a great concern That would motivate us. Now, let me be very frank with you. Sometimes the needs in my life have been so great that I have lost some of the compassion for the lost and the dying. Because when you're dying and you're losing everything, you're distracted. And all you can do is wait before God and cry aloud for deliverance. There needs to be a time and a place where we're brought out of the desert, where we're released and set free. Now please hear me. I'm not speaking about those who are in the current of the world drifting with the world's desires and the flesh. I'm talking about those who have made the decision. We're going to enter into the stream of God's holiness, His grace, His mercy. And we're going to take those desperate concerns that we have for our own survival And we're going to lay those before the Lord until we have the victory. I suspect that Paul wanted out of that desert pretty bad. Seven years in that desert place. And then came the call of Barnabas Paul, come to Antioch. He came as the junior pastor. But because of the giftings of Jesus in his life, he soon became the senior pastor and led the mission journeys. It was because of the time he'd spent with Jesus. It was the holiness of God that was moving in his heart. This feisty little red-headed man, bald in the middle. Couldn't speak very well. Preach for hours at a time. You'd think everybody would have fled. But the Holy Spirit was there and he had the power to raise the dead. You don't don't walk away from a man who has the power to raise the dead. Now fourth. A true friend of God has the spirit of prayer in their life. the spirit of prayer in their life. Sometimes when I've gone to pray, I've been mute before God. And usually I've found the reason for muteness before God is either great sorrow or great pride they will both cause one to be mute before God. And one has to decipher what is the cause of the muteness. In asking the Holy Spirit, He reveals it fully. Spirit of prayer is a river that flows out of us by the power of the Spirit. It's described in Scripture as a well of water in our bellies that comes bursting up out of us. We have no choice but to pray. We must pray because it is flowing up out of the inner being of our hearts. And as we pray, the words tumble out. And the Holy Spirit intervenes and groans with our words. Where we don't know how to pray as we ought but the Holy Spirit brings our prayers before the throne of God. All of the power and holiness of God needs to begin to flow through the spirit of prayer in our hearts. And I tell you honestly, it's in the prayer where I sometimes begin to tell God what I think He needs to do. It's in the prayer where I begin to tell Him how to run His government and what I like and what I don't like. And part of why it takes so much time in prayer is because that all has to be put away, where I come in submission to what Jesus wants. One person said to me, there's such pain in my prayer life. Why? Because so much of me in the prayer. My needs, my heart. The crisis of my life. The spirit of prayer begins to be the Holy Spirit rising up from my belly, from my inner places. And it begins to flow out and it removes everything that is of self and all opinions of self and all desires and goals of self. And only God remains. And my cry before his throne that I will be swept along by your desires and I will walk as you call me to walk and I will go where you call me to go and I will do what you call me to do. And self is eviscerated by prayer. Prayer is not intuition. I'm an off-the-wall intuitive. God is not my intuition. God is the Holy Spirit, not the intuitive spirit, not the opinion spirit, not the happy spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. And if the holiness of God is what flows, that draws a man or a woman into salvation, and it is then I have then I must subjugate my intuition under the holiness of God, and let him rule the greatest desire of my heart. that I should be found as a friend of God. Verse 18 in 1 Peter 1, verse 18. For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your vain conversation or your vain behavior received by tradition from your fathers, not by the beliefs and opinions of men, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot who verily was foreordained under the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times who by him do believe you do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, with unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. The purification comes from the holiness of God, as he enables us to obey his truth, by his spirit. And it is evidenced by unfeigned love of the brethren that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptibility by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, he sums up this portion by saying, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You I'm not going to always be here. I'm going to fade away like the grass. But Jesus is always going to be here. And the question is, while we're here in this short time, what class of Christian will we be? Will we be here for our own self-interest our own self-love and selfishness? Will we be here, moved by the opinions of others, acceding to the social demands of the culture? Or will we be true friends of God, poured out, walking in the Spirit, walking in His holiness, and I challenge you, examine your life today and see where in your own life, as I am having to do in my life, every cross current that would pull me out of the stream of God's love into the stream, the current of the world where I would accede accede to the demands of our culture. To look like it and act like it. To value what they value. To do what they do. The cry of my heart is that we would be true friends first with Jesus and then with each other. Almighty God, Let your word be true, and every man a liar. Lord, let your word be true. And draw us, Almighty God, into the very center of the stream of the Holy Spirit. And we will praise you and worship you and honor your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I come through that curtain into the Holy of Holies, through your torn flesh, by your blood. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
2: Soldier of the Cross, Soldier of the Cross, you carry the sword of faith, Soldier of the Cross, Soldier of the Cross. Side to side, where you gonna run? Where you gonna run? Where you gonna hide? When it comes down, when it comes down, only you can tell what's it gonna be. What's it gonna be? Heaven or hell? Love, 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 sing of the lies he can say But the river runs, deep, river runs deep And the river is wide How you gonna get through the other side Pendulum swing Only you can tell Gotta make a joy, what's it gonna be? Heaven our head The pendulum swings, swings. side to side Where you gonna run, where you gonna gonna hide hide. Living Living on the line, only you can tell What's it gonna be, heaven or hell Soldier of the cross the cross, you carry the sword of faith. Soldier of the cross, soldier of the cross, you bring love
1: Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. Come join us at nationalprayerchapel.com.
0: Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great joy now unto him who was able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory Joy with grace.